coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. I say maybe, because sometimes people will love doing things that are easy. Uh, and that's really not good either, right? Because they like it easier because the other stuff is too challenging. So they say, I love this because it's just easy to do. That's not because you're going to get bored of that. The serotonin is going to go down. It's going to, at first, it's like, it's like eating a brand new bag of potato chips, right? You, it's like the first time you try this flavor, you try Cool Ranch for the first time. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's Cool Ranch for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And then you have it the second bag. It's like, okay, it's not as good. The third bag, yeah, it's Cool Ranch. Great. What about the fifth bag? By the time you have the fifth bag, it's like, yeah, it doesn't taste any different because you have sensory adaptation that goes into it. Mm -hmm. The same thing is happening into ourselves with the work that we're doing. So any person, put them in a repetitive day-to-day -day job, doesn't allow their brain to grow. So what we want to do is you want to put get something that you love to do today, but also how does you're continually growing at it? Because if you're continually growing at it, what you're going to do is you're going to actually allow yourself to create new brain, new excitement, and you're going to get dopamine to go up and you get excited about that thing. But if it's the same thing again and again and again, no excitement to it. That's why most of those jobs can be automated for, yeah. for the better part. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. I'm Dr. Lok Trivedi. I'm an expert in, I'm a human performance doctor. Dinner table was pretty simple, actually, to be honest with you. It was, it was uh, my dad worked in the afternoons and I saw, you know, Monday through Friday, I didn't really get to spend a whole lot of time with him because I was at school during the day and my parents structured, I was an only child. My parents structured that, that someone would always be home so I wouldn't have to be with a babysitter or something like that. And so uh, it was evenings where Monday through Friday were me and my mom and uh, we'd have dinner and on the weekends, dad would be there. So I really look forward to, to dinners on Saturdays and Sundays with my dad. It was kind of a little little thing that was um, it was a highlight. It was a little bit of a highlight yeah. for me, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And and did you have any type of entrepreneurial uh, influences or anything like that growing up or, you know, did that not hit you until a little, bit late, a little bit later on in life? No, my cousins, actually, my cousins, uh, you know, they opened pharmacies at a young age, uh, at 23 and 24 years old. And, um, I thought that's, that was kind of the way that it worked. And, uh, I opened my first practice at 25 years old. And so being an entrepreneur, I mean, I was an entrepreneur at nine years old. I was literally, um, shoveling snow and getting, you know, on people on the, on the street and up in Toronto, Canada and shoveling their snows. And you know, all of a sudden I was getting other people to do their contracts and I had buddies of mine doing it. And yeah. I was making, I was making some good money at, at nine years old. And then I started doing, I had another business um, at a young age. And these were businesses, but I mean, it wasn't like organized or anything like that, but you know, it was, there were little things that we were doing just in order to engage the entrepreneurial spirit. Cause I've always been into it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. love that. Um, so, so you became a doctor at 25. Yes. So I, I'm assuming you went through college and all of that. And um, did you open up your own practice then at 25? I did. So I had a, I'd worked with a, a guy as an independent contractor for about three months of uh, in the beginning. And within three months, I was seeing three times patients. He was, and literally 
paying him 70% of all the revenue I was bringing in. I thought, oh, wow. this, doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. And so I broke ways and um, started my own deal. And uh, yeah, it started 25 years old. I had no money, no, no inkling. Some guy saw my excitement and then as enthusiastic I was about what I did and, and said, you know what, I'll give you the, I'll give you the space because you'll be successful just based on your excitement. And um, I had no money at $8.42 the day I saw my first patient. And by the time I, uh, 16 months later, I was seeing over 1,250 patient visits a week. Wow. Wow. How did you, how did you grow it so quickly? I mean, was there any, I mean, were you like a marketing savant as well? I mean, how did you, how did you, uh, you know, spread the word and get people to come that quickly? Did you, is there anything that you can say that, you know, we did this differently than everybody else or was it just good location, good luck? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it, it was me setting the world on fire really is what it was. And it was me knowing that I had something that I could help people with. And I wasn't afraid to tell people about it. I would tell people at the grocery store. I'd tell people at the, the hardware store, at the Home Depot. I'd go anywhere. I'd talk to people. I was marketing myself because people, you know, in today's world, people looking at social media and how do you do social media and how do you get, you know, it's, it's gotten so complicated. Like it's, it's so con construed versus just, how do you just go talk to people mm -hmm. and tell people about what you do? And if you have enough value that you provide to somebody, they'll want it. So I talked to more people than anyone else. That's really what it was. And I was doing seminars and events in my office and any person I could talk to, I was going and, and offering my service. I wasn't so worried about what people thought or what people cared about. Was this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? I just know this is that when you love, love the service that you do and you make sure that you really help are there to help people, you're not going to be worried about what people say, think, or do. You'll just go and do it. Because if you know you can help people on the other side of it, you're not worried about all the other stuff that comes along with it. So I just talked to more people and I'd tell more people about it. And I was just on fire every single day. I'd, I'd set a goal that I'd go out and talk to people. And before I opened my practice, I went to talk to a thousand people and built my own database of a thousand people. But it was grassroots. That's what it was for me. I didn't yeah. have any money. I had yeah. no choice. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. No. So, so, um, explain a little bit, like what, what type of doctor are you? Like, what, what do you help people with? Yeah, so I used to be a chiropractor. I used to be a physical therapist and I became a chiropractor inside that. And then um, now, you know, I started studying with muscles and then I started studying with the nervous system and then I started studying with thinking because I realized that the whole path, the evolution of the human body, I realized that all thought created illness. And to this day, I'm pretty certain that it is, that all illness stems in the brain and it starts from the brain, the way that we think. And um, I was just mapping out neurohormones in my office just a little while ago to geek out inside of it but it's true it's it's all going on in here and i had patients that would come into my office they would start telling me about their back pain i'm like hmm, why is it on the third of the month everyone's having back pain and i'm interested in them and find out why it's because they're dealing with mortgage issues mm -hmm. they can't pay their mortgage by the fifth of the month and they're thinking okay what do i do now and um literally that's how the whole game started and i started asking different questions i started piecing together neurophysiology through questioning and I started to get people to heal themselves. And all of a sudden, their mind-body ailments would heal. And I'd get patients with you know, uh, thyroid issues, diabetes, and all these different types of ailments. And we'd be able to change their blood work and change their and reverse conditions, not to cure anything, but they'd be able to reverse these different conditions that they're having all by asking the right questions and heal, helping them heal. And then I started applying it to business and entrepreneurship and, and you know, money, for example, and, and athletes and, and celebrities and that. They all started coming to me because if you started thinking differently, your actions are going to be different. And so your whole mind body connection becomes one. And any entrepreneur who is in this world today is dealing saying that they don't deal with stress is not an entrepreneur, right? 72% of entrepreneurs deal with mental health disorder. They just don't call it that we call it stress. Mm 
That's it. That's 72% though. That's a huge statistic that's out there. That's saying like whether you're in real estate, right? With the real estate market going up and down, inflation, interest rate, who knows what's going on. There's stress. That's affecting your health and your neurophysiology. That's how I got into this world. That this is this is so incredible. I I, I didn't know that backstory. I didn't know the connection between, you know, the 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 chiropracting and and you know how you made that transition. It makes perfect sense because I I've always believed that too. Like you know, you have something wrong with you. You should be able to you know change your way of thinking. And that's the way that I like. I don't like going to the doctor or anything like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. nobody likes going to. But I I I'm very very healthy. Um, don't take any medications or anything like that. And I always right. try to keep a positive attitude, you know, no matter how bad or how stressful the situation is, I always try to find the positive element in it. Um, what, what would you say is, has been your findings with, you know, how do you, how do you start walking down this path? How do you start changing that mindset to be able to, um, you know, start impacting some of those physical ailments? And I, I would imagine there's probably even, a uh, you know, an element of, I guess, self-discovery as to, you know, what is it that, you know, is going on in my life? Like you said, on the third of the month, like, you know, yes, this is the problem. Um, but, but, you know, what are some of those, those steps or those, those, those things that you can start doing to be able to start, you know, identifying and curing or, or not curing, but, but solving some of these issues for yourself? Well, first you got to look at it and say, what's really causing the issue, right? You got to find out what, what's really going on. What are you really stressed about? What are you holding on to? And, I, and I'll tell you something that you're not going to like, as I say it, Matt, but you know, one thing I'll tell people is stop positive thinking. Ah, interesting. Positive thinking is is breaking people down and it's causing people more ailments and dis- delusions because everyone's looking for positive thinking. And what it does, the truth is you can't always be positive 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. You'll be positive sometimes, you'll be negative sometimes. But if we're always judging ourselves trying to be positive and never negative, then we're going to put ourselves into a box that we can never get out of. So the reality is, is that we don't always want to be positive. We want to honor ourselves when we're feeling positive. We want to honor ourselves when we're feeling negative. And what we want to do is we want to rebalance it. What we want is balanced thinking. What we want is the state of, of governance in our thinking and, and the state, what I call the aligned state, aligned reason state, where you can actually look at your, your state and not be torn up or down, high or low, right or wrong, and just kind of be present. And that state of presence, as, uh, as many people have called it, the flow, the Zen, mama mentality, whatever you want to call it, that is a scientific process that I take people through now. That it's not just an arbitrary thing that an athlete has to go through. Now I can take people to live there and continue to live there and perform at much higher levels. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I, I will say, and and um, uh, so I feel like I am very, and I've been I've been told this many times too. I, I do feel like I'm very even keel, right? Like sure. you know, something amazing happens, and I'm like, okay, you know, that's that's cool. And something bad happens, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, we'll deal with it, right? You know, so um, you know, obviously there's there's varying levels of of um, you know emphasis, I guess you can say one way or the other, but, but um, like a lot of people have told me how, you know, I can't believe you just did that. That's incredible. And I'm like, oh, you know, okay, well, I'm working on this thing next, you know, so trying to go and, and, you know, uh, you know, just, just try to keep that, that even keel where it's, you know, not these highs and lows and these big, you know, uh, swings is that is that kind of more along the lines of what you're saying is like you know there's great things that happen and you can you know you can celebrate that honor that you know feel good about that but let's no, not go and like i'm the king of the world and uh, you know i'm i'm conquering everything and you know cloud cloud nine way up top and then 
you know, the opposite happens when you, you know, something negative happens, you're way down here and like, oh my God, I can't, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, so explain that a little bit more, dive into that a little bit more. I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, most people, you know, that's, it's, it's a very, it's, you're right, right? Rudimentary way of looking, of saying it, but yes, I'm not taking away from it, but it is the basic way of saying it, right? That's basically what it is, is that don't get over elated or over depressed on anything because you always know that there's another side. There's another day, there's another approach, there's another opportunity. But when we get attached, as the Zen Buddhists would say, right? When you get attached to the, the whatever you attach yourselves to creates a chaos and you got to let it go. But most people, when you say let it go, can't really let it go. Yeah. And they're holding on to it because they're stuck inside of it. So yeah. there's, you know, in my years as, a, as an Indian guy, I studied meditation quite extensively. And it's great. It's fantastic. But most people are using meditation as an escape mentality versus really an integrative mentality. So the work that I do is about integrating our reality versus trying to escape it. So when you integrate it, you don't have to keep running away from it. But yeah, you can transcend it and you can actually be present and you don't get caught up in the emotions and the swings and the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. And you can just stay governed and stay steady and focus on, as what you're saying, the next thing, what I call your next mission marker, right? Set a mission so big that you just have always something to do. That's pretty powerful inside that, right? Set a mission so big that you're always moving forward towards what it is you're, you're trying to create. That's that's part of being inspired in your work. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what you see a lot of entrepreneurs struggling with. Um, you know, what are some of those those common issues that that come up time and time again? I'm sure money is, you know, one of those things. But and actually, now that I say that, you know, is is it really like you mentioned earlier before um, you 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 help people learn about money and you know get past money is money like really ever the you know the the true problem or is it you know something in our head that we're you know blocking ourselves from taking that next step or whatever whatever it might be talk a little bit about that i, I guess that relationship there money is the symptom not the cause it's never the cause money is the symptom of what it is that you have going on and, and any type like entrepreneurs will deal with so many different things but i would say emotional delusion is probably the first and foremost, we have to discuss. And you kind of have to be to be an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be a little bit positive. You have to be overly a little bit optimistic and saying that, you know what? I've got an idea that I'm going to go take to the world and I'm going to start with nothing and I'm going to put something into it and make it and survive. It is not like a, a sane, logical brain that processes through that. It's a little bit of an optimistic style consciousness, which is okay, which is great. But because of that, you're also in a state of slight delusions inside that. And so most entrepreneurs don't realize that they're, they're in these delusions of grandeur, and then they make business decisions in these delusions of grandeur. And they think that there's going to be more money rather than managing the money that they have. So with most entrepreneurs is that they don't run out of money. Most entrepreneurs don't run out of money. They over-index on the future of the money they're going to create. Right? They over-index thinking that tomorrow is going to be better than today, no matter what. And there's a lot of people out there who perpetuate this idea and say, you know what, go and tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be a bigger day. Think bigger. The bigger you think, the better it is. Set a goal that's so big that it scares the crap out of you. All that is nonsense, really. That's really not true. It's not true at all. It's wise to be able to think about tomorrow, but plan for tomorrow, but also make sure you preserve today. Mm -hmm. and, and using both sides of the brain actually allows your business to grow through longevity versus the highs and lows of business, right? And you know, as an entrepreneur, there's a seven-year cycle. Everyone says in entrepreneurialism, the burnout, 
well, that makes complete sense because by the time you hit, you start going and if you hit $2 million, right? Keith Cunningham always said this figure that if you hit $2 million, like that's the, the pinnacle number in business that once you get there, you're sustainable. You can sustain and live and the business will grow. And if you can do that within the first, first five years, great. But many business never get there. They never get to that point. But maybe you're a bigger business and you say, hey, great, I can get to that level, which is fantastic. But as you get to the higher points, there's more stress to manage. There's more people to manage. And all of that emotional stress of people, places, money, things, management, all those then impede the consciousness of the leader inside that. And so those things then create resentment. And I have a saying that whatever you resent, you resist. And so the, lead, the consciousness of the leader literally is slowing down the growth of the business because they begin to resent the things that they need to do to grow to the next level. Interesting. Interesting. So, so what, what are some of like, how do you identify some of those, um, you know, things that might be impeding you from, from growing? Is there, is there any like framework framework or tactic or anything like that that you use to be able to, you know? Yeah. I mean, I could, there are, there's lots of 92 different frameworks that I use, but I'll give you one. That's really simple. Just look at your business and what, what do you love about your business? And what do you hate about your business? Ask yourself those questions and be very objective and, and, and be very mercantile and tactile, right? I hate managing people. Okay, if you said the word, I hate managing people, chances are you have some sort of emotion, some sort of mental block around it that needs to be figured out, rewired so that it's not holding you back anymore or delegated that you're not doing it anymore. But someone, it's going to create energy and challenge inside the business. And if you constantly have to do that and you're constantly stuck doing that, you're going to hate it. You're going to stop doing it because the brain doesn't move towards what we want it to it's going to move towards what it is as a point of survival. And if you have a, a negative relationship with managing people, then the reality is, is that you're just going to stay stuck in that state. That's just one example. Of course, there's lots of things that people love about their business and they don't. A lot of times people will start hating customers, right? I remember this when things aren't going the way they want, or it's not the customers they want, they'll, they'll start saying, you know, I, I don't like dealing with these customers because they're just, they just don't value what I'm doing. And we put ourselves in the state like we're all almighty in business mm -hmm. versus looking at, okay, what is the customer trying to teach us? I like to sit and say like, you know, a lot of athletes will say that the game is the teacher. I like to say business is the teacher for us to be able to be in, in the journey of self-actualization, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Let the business teach us about life just as athletes let the game teach them about life. Yeah, that's, I, I, I love that. I've never, never considered the business or, or your customers as a teacher, but that's, that's a really, really powerful dynamic. I like that. I like that, that viewpoint. Um, uh, talk a little bit about the other side of this too. Like we were just focusing on, you know, if you say, I hate, you know, dealing with customers or I hate having employees. What about the other side where, you know, I love doing this. I love doing that. Like, obviously those are the things that you gravitate toward and you should probably dive, you know, deeper into, you know, into those types of, of positions, Maybe. correct? I say maybe because sometimes people will love doing things that are easy uh, and that's really not good either, right? Because they like it easier because the other stuff is too challenging. So they say, I love this because it's just easy to do. That's not because you're going to get bored of that. The serotonin is going to go down. It's going to, at first it's like, it's like eating a brand new bag of potato chips, right? You, it's like the first time you try this flavor, you try cool ranch for the first time. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's cool ranch for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And then you have it the second bag. It's like, okay, it's not as good. The third bag, 
Yeah, it's Cool Ranch. Great. What about the fifth bag? By the time you have the fifth bag, it's like, yeah, it doesn't taste any different because you have sensory adaptation that goes into it. The same thing is happening into ourselves with the work that we're doing. So any person, put them in a repetitive day-to-day job, doesn't allow their brain to grow. So what we want to do is you want to put get something that you love to do today, but also how does you're continually growing at it? Because if you're continually growing at it, what you're going to do is you're going to actually allow yourself to create new brain, new excitement, and you're going to get dopamine to go up and you get excited about that thing. But if it's the same thing again and again and again, no excitement to it. That's why most of those jobs can be automated for the yeah. better part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. How about people that um, might be struggling in their business? You know, they they might be very, very good. And this is again a very common thing that a lot of entrepreneurs um, will do. You know, they're very good at whatever the craft is. So they decide I'm going to go and open up a, a business, sure. but the business doesn't do very well. Um, you know, they might love what they do, but you know, they're not charging enough. And, and, you know, they have this relationship where like, if I, if I charge more, I'm going to lose customers and, and, you know, there's that whole dynamic, you know, any, any thoughts on how to get past that part of, Uh, I have seminars and programs and programs and seminars that I do on this all day long. This is a huge thing, huge topic, right? You know, most people jump into business because they get sick and tired of their employer of the past and they want freedom. And then they go say, you know what, I'll go do it on my own. And they start as owners and operators, right? They start on the journey as an owner operator and entrepreneurship, which is great, which how we, like I started there, a lot of people started there, right? We don't understand the point of scale and, and getting investment money so that we don't do the work and you let others do the work. And that's a whole different level of business and a whole different level of entrepreneurship, which is great, which is amazing. But most of us are small business owners and that's what we do. That's great. So, if you're trying to raise your prices and raise your business and raise your, your growth inside of it, what you want to do is you want to focus on building a, you want to make sure that you're providing the service you're doing, but you're always delegating the thing that you don't love to do anymore down the path. And that's how you're going to grow your numbers and your business. And if you're afraid of losing a customer, you'll never really have a customer. And what I mean by that is this is because the more you are afraid of losing that customer, you're never going to actually be able to serve that customer with a hundred percent truth of what you want to say mm-hmm. and that person will know and they'll just they'll hop to the next person so it's better i like to say that your business is for you it's for you to make a profit your service is your for your customer mm-hmm. so if your product if your business is for you it better be about making profits it better be about making income for yourself and if you're not charging in fair exchange for what you're doing you're going to create resentment towards the customer for example let me just say this and uh, let's say you're selling cupcakes and it's taking you, I don't know, you get there four o'clock in the morning every day and you go and you make these cupcakes and they're amazing. They're like, you know, the, the super fancy deluxe cupcakes that are in the marketplace now, right? 20 years ago, those weren't there, but now yeah. it's like five bucks a cupcake, yeah. even seven bucks. A, I mean, it's, but they're good. I'm not going to lie. They're good. They're not healthy for you by any means, but they're good. You have them once in once a year or something like that. But if you've put all this work, all this energy, all this time, and you're not feeling rewarded by the business you'll resent the business and then you'll resent the customers as a relation to that. So it's wiser to be grateful to the customer and then grateful to the business for what it's allowing you the opportunity to do. If there's some imbalance in that equation, what you'll end up doing is getting angry at the business, angry at the customer. And all of a sudden you'll see your profits and your income start to, your gross sales will start to decline. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's Matt. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've connected with hundreds of extremely successful entrepreneurs. We've interviewed multimillionaires, a few billionaires, top marketers, technologists, brokers, and so, so many more. Many of our guests have even landed on the Fortune 5000 or even the 500 list on at least one occasion. These people are doers, and these are the type of leaders that you want to be connected with and learn from. This whole thing started because I know that the fastest way to success was following others who have done what I'm looking to do first. We created Pass the Secret Sauce so that we could get our own business questions answered and that we could get access to the best minds in business. You see, entrepreneurs are my people, and I truly enjoy connecting with and learning from other successful business owners, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling this 99 Entrepreneur Strong, and it's a community of like-minded business owners just like you who want to learn from and connect with other business owners to create generational wealth together. 99 Entrepreneur Strong is a community of individuals just like you who want to strengthen their business, learn what techniques are generating revenue for other business owners, and perhaps even collaborating on future projects and products. The goal is to get your business growing so that you can begin creating generational wealth. As you probably know by now, we invest in large multifamily opportunities, and we want to help our network of entrepreneurs be able to do the same. Some of my best friends are business owners, and it's so much fun being able to create opportunities and grow together. With 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll be able to network with people from all sections of industry, from investors looking to deploy capital to new opportunities, project managers looking for investors, marketing experts, contractors, mindset gurus, manufacturers, and so, so much more. I've been at this entrepreneur role for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one business work. And the 99 Entrepreneur Strong Community is my attempt to shorten your learning curve to get you plugged into leading experts that you need fast. All this so that you can generate the capital to invest in other passive income opportunities, such as multifamily. Unlike other groups, 99 Entrepreneur Strong is a private organization that you have to apply for. Once you're approved in the group, we will match you with other entrepreneurs who we feel you will connect with. We hold monthly mastermind sessions where members will present their business story, what they need, and what they may be struggling with. And the group will offer suggestions, resources, or solve the business problems together. We also will hold other framework sessions throughout the month where other 99 Entrepreneur Strong members will present what they are currently doing in their own companies. Every session will be recorded and added to the library so you will have access to these resources whenever you need them. When you grow your business with scale, you can also impact other areas that are important to you. With the 99 Entrepreneur Strong Project, combined with our portfolio of multifamily assets and network of other entrepreneurs, our personal impact project is to eradicate the euthanasia of dogs. It's a lofty goal, but I know we can have huge impacts when we join together. So by applying to be a member of 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll learn how to make your business grow with tactical advice. You'll network and personally partner with other extremely successful individuals. You'll learn about other generational wealth building opportunities. And perhaps the biggest impact is that you'll help eradicate dog euthanasia. 
With that, I look forward to meeting you, learning from you, and helping you grow. To learn more, go to 99entrepreneurstrong.com. So the key is to change that right off the top. And if you're trying to increase your prices, which is super important to do in today's marketplace for sure, trying to increase your prices, then what you want to do is you have to be okay with charging more than anyone else. And you have to be okay that you, you actually have to change and rewire your thinking along the path, and I can't do it right now necessarily, but along the path of why it's actually more beneficial to the customer for you to charge more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's your I, issue, not the customer's issue, typically. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that this is just like anything else. The, the people that don't want to pay very much, they end up being the biggest pains you know, in the business anyway. And, you know, the, the, the people that, you know, are willing to pay for the service that they're trying to get, you know, they, they appreciate that. They understand that, which again, is less of a headache for the business owner. It is, you know, and we're, you know, most of people listening to this podcast are probably like you and I, right? Like we're small business owners and, and we're not necessities. What I mean by that, we're not, we're not the electrical company. We're not the power lines. We're not, you know, we're not water. We're not hydro. We're, 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 a we're not a necessity that everybody has to use us or else they're screwed. We don't have that monopoly, right? It's, oh, maybe, you know, maybe you, you're, uh, you have a barber shop or something like that. Now, there could be another barber shop that goes down the road. But if you look at who's in, if you're in your town, if you have ComEd, who else is giving you energy other than ComEd? You can have a monopoly. You can do whatever you want to. And you know what? When push comes to shove, they're going to make sure the lights stay on and they may wait a week or two to get a haircut. If that's the, you know, that's a world, but you can give an example for sure. And that person is going to think about it and say, huh, what's going to keep me alive longer? Because the brain is built on survival, not abundance. It's going to look at it and say, what's going to keep me alive and surviving longer? I need lights for my house. And so what they'll do is and say, I'll forego the other expense inside that. So if you look at it, then the business says, okay, now I got to wait for this customer around this. Unless, unless you're working with a higher end clientele, mm -hmm. the higher end clientele has money and they're actually going to make themselves their value, their self value a priority mm -hmm. versus a liability. Yeah. And there's, there's a saying that I, I've been saying it for years is that your self-worth equals your net worth. And if you have true self-worth, then what will happen is that you'll actually have a business where you're willing to charge for your haircut, for your whatever it is you do, because you see the value it provides to other people. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It could, and I completely, completely agree. Um, and I think talk a little bit about, um, you know, increasing your self-worth and, and, you know, getting past that, that temptation to, you know, please everyone, I guess that's basically what it comes down to, because, you know, if you're, again, if you're not, if you don't feel that your services are, worth as much as what you know you should be charging to be able to support yourself uh, you know there there's an element there that you know is is blocking you so talk a little bit about you know getting past that that element of self-worth and and um you know appreciating your skill sets and and what you're capable of doing the reason people don't appreciate themselves is only one word it's emotions and i've isolated five primary emotions that we as humans really runs our life, right? We have pride, we have shame, we have resentment, we have um, infatuation and guilt. Like these five primary emotions that we have really run our world. 
And everything else is an offshoot of that, right? We'll say, what about happiness? Well, happiness is an offshoot of pride because if you're feeling prideful about what you did, you just achieved, you accomplished, you're going to be happy. And if you're sad, it's because you feel some resentment or some shame or some guilt inside that. So all of us are built in these, these emotional psyches because as we're emotional creatures, we function primarily from the amygdala, especially in highly emotional states. And when we do that, we put ourselves into these states of low self-worth or what I call pseudo self-worth, right? Low self-worth is when people are like, you know what? I'm not good enough. I don't know if my service is good. I'm not going to make it. That's low self-worth and people will say that. But then there's pseudo self-worth. And a lot of entrepreneurs fall under this as well. It's perpetuated the market. The personal development industry is, is great for perpetuating this pseudo self-worth. And what it is, is that, you know what? Just disown half of yourself and just look at the positive side of everything. And you're great. You're going to be amazing. You have all the support. You're going to do great. You're going to be fantastic. You're going to crush it. You're going to do a bunch of affirmations. All of a sudden you feel good. Your dopamine receptors go up a little bit. Serotonin goes up for a little bit, but it doesn't last. And that's why sometimes people will go to events and programs and they'll get super related for three, four days. Like this is the greatest thing ever. And they come back and it's like kind of right back to the same wormhole that they were in. It's like, what happened? You went to this amazing seminar or they'll go to seminars and all the notes, they'll end up in the, in the shelf or in the, in the, their desk somewhere because they don't understand that it's not about just feeling good temporarily. It's not a good idea to live in the pseudo self-worth. True self-worth is where you integrate who you are, what you do, and what it does for the customer. And all three of them are in a perfect balance of one another. And then you realize that, you know what, the customer is just as much of a service to you as you are to them. And then that's when you create what's called fair exchange between two people. And there's a perfect amount of balance between what you've given them and what they've given you. And now you are grateful for that customer. And the more customers you can be grateful for, the more customers you'll get, which means the more money you'll make. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's an interesting way. Would you, would you say that it would be fair to be able to, you know, go through your list of customers and, you know, rate them? I'm, I'm grateful for this, this customer. I'm grateful for this one and maybe not so grateful for that one. Would that be, would that be, you know, a, a, useful, I guess, experiment to be able to, you know, get, get, you know, get past this, this, this thought of, you know, I'm going to lose these customers if I increase my pricing or, or what have you. But, you know, like you said, you might not be in alignment with that customer anyway, but you're trying to save them and make sure that, you know, you've got this, this, this basis that's taking up your time that then you can't take that time and go after more of those customers that you can actually be grateful for. Um, any thoughts around that, around sure, that? It's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. I think there's nothing wrong in that. I think if you look at your customer base and said, you know, can I be grateful for all of them? And if you can't, then you probably want to find people you can be more grateful for. But what's going to happen is you're always going to have probably 80% you're grateful for and 20% you're not, right? Because mm -hmm. Parkinson's law will take over and 20% will be the pain in the rear of your business. So you're always going to have that. It's just the next level of evolution in the business. So every year, if you did that, then it's great. Right? Like I, I take my prices up 10% every single year. Mm -hmm. I yeah. do it every year and I've done it since the beginning of my business. And that, the reason I do that is simply because I have to evolve and grow inflation, interest rates, all these things are there. If I'm not charging more, I'm losing money on the work that I'm doing and I'm losing income. So you have to keep growing and evolving and keep growing your customer base on that as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, 
what what would you say that is uh, I, I guess what I want to finish with is a tactic, a strategy that you feel a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, could could benefit from. And again, I'm not quite sure, you know, where you know what 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 you see a lot of people you know struggling with but i'm curious if anything comes to mind like if everyone if everyone took this this piece of advice um you know we'd have a lot more you know happy entrepreneurs out there anything come to mind with that i had a couple of things if i can share them with you sure um one is i would sit and say you know get yourself to objective reality as quickly as you can know where you think from know you know one of the key things is self awareness is a secret to leadership awareness i like to say and if you can't, you know where your brain is functioning from, then you're going to be able to see, how do I make decisions? Am I making this decisions in a stressed, panic state, or am I making them truly in an inspired, objective state? And the brain is designed to be able to do that, right? The lower part of your brain, you've heard this in the amygdala before, that's the emotional center of the brain. And the prefrontal cortex is the logical centers of the brain. And the more we're functioning from here, the more we're on stress and chaos, and the more we're functioning in the prefrontal cortex, the more we have honor and, and balance in our system. So what we want to do is make sure that our whole system is coordinated and functioning in the right path inside that. So if it's okay, I mean, by the time this comes out, this should, the, the, they should have tweaked it. But I have a score that I created. It's called the rewire score. And you can actually see exactly what part of your brain that you use. Do you think from the prefrontal cortex and do you live in a state and make decisions in a state of have to or need to, or excuse me, love to, or do you live and make decisions in pure stress and chaos and need to make decisions? This type of clarity gives you an understanding of kind of where your life is headed, what you want to do and the path you're going to build around it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I would do is I would end my day on an evening, evening rewire, evening gratitude that whatever you think was great, take that off the pedestal. So it's not, so great anymore and you can see the downsides of it whatever is so good make it bring it up on the upsides and inside this rewire score at the end of it as a gift there's a the actual the sheet that i use personally that i use every single night and my family uses every single night and so that's just a gift inside there if you guys want it yeah that's that that sounds fantastic so so basically what you're what you're saying is you know, you look look uh look over the day the day's you know events whatever happened that day and anything that was like you know, way up here, you look at the negative side of that, or the, you know, some partly. of the downsides of that, and then yeah, the, the, the negative things, you look at the positive side of that, and it kind of balances you out. Is that basically what you're, what you're saying? It is. What will happen is your serotonin will go up, your melatonin will go up, you'll sleep better, your, your nervous system will be better, your HRV will be better, your heart rate will go lower. You'll actually rest in a very restful recovery state. And so there's more, there's more to that sheet, but it's, it's all laid out for people on that sheet. If yeah. they want, they can download we it and and where do you get the where do you get the sheet from? You just go to rewirescore.com. Okay. Okay. I love that. Yeah, rewirescore.com. That, that sounds that sounds like a really, really powerful tool tool. And I, I I'm surprised that I never even considered doing that myself, but that's great. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, try it out. Let me know how it works for you because we I do this with my entrepreneurs, my celebs, my my athletes, and it just governs their playing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I love that. It's, it's a super super powerful tool. Yeah, that's very cool. What's um if people want to learn more about you, your products, your presentations, what would be the best way to reach out and get in touch? Well, just go to drrewire.com or go to YouTube and Dr. Rewire there, or you know, go to the rewirescore.com and learn more about it for yourself inside that. Cause once you go inside there, they'll teach you more about kind of what we do inside that. Rewire score is the best place to really learn about it for yourself. But then if you want to just get information, it's it's all out there online. Love it. I love it.
this has been fantastic. I, I appreciate it. And uh, definitely going to, uh, to start doing some of your, your exercises and, and uh, we'll let you know how that goes. So I love Please it. Please do. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.